0: Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most urgent topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 155th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 573rd episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, January 16th, 2019. I am your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment.
1: And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be
2: champion. Smart takes a shot. the national championship. Oh, and-
0: For this week's banner moment, I'm going to celebrate the persistent grit of Joey Brunk on both ends of the court. Think back to Saturday's win over Ohio State. Brunk's post-defense against Caleb Wesson was a huge part of Indiana winning that game. And the play that stood out to me most was Brunk's all-out hustle in deflecting not one, but two entry passes on the same possession. Then think back to Wednesday night's loss at Rutgers, a game that featured a lot of casual, passive offense from Indiana. But Brunk was his usual persistent self, battling hard for position inside, and on one possession, not being deterred by getting his shot blocked, and then blocked again, but he still stuck with it and scored the third time. The bottom line is this. Joey Brunk has become unquestionably Indiana's most consistent contributor as a scorer, rebounder, and post-defender. Has he been great? No, of course not. But he's been good most nights, and on this Indiana team, that passes for most consistent. Guys like Trace Jackson Davis and Justin Smith have been fairly consistent producers, and their highs are certainly much higher than Joey's, But they also have unproductive games, and their intensity can wane, whereas Joey's never seems to. It has to be difficult for Archie Miller to enter each game not knowing what he is going to get from so many players on his roster. But I have to think he's become pretty comfortable with what he's going to get from Joey Brunk, and that really means something. Joey wasn't brought to Indiana to be this team's most consistent producer, and frankly, it's a problem for Indiana that he is. Guys with more talent and athleticism need to step up on a more consistent basis if this IU team is going to beat more good teams moving forward. But thank goodness Joey is here. He's a rock for a team that desperately needs one, and a lot of Indiana's close wins would be losses without him. All right, now let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show, coach is off tonight i wonder how he's using his free time
2: chasing her wife around <laughs> the living room or something
0: oh yeah sorry about that mrs tonsoni uh to my left he is the ed orgeron of girls u sports coaching in cincinnati the president emeritus of the last good indiana shooter fan club uh, and <laughs> the world's most fun loving bracketologist
3: well it's been a fun week jared let me tell you this is fun this kind of game is fun this was fun all right well this was fun
0: He is Andy Bottoms, and to be clear, none of those drops were taken during last night's game at Rutgers. Andy, what is your Bottoms line on the last week in IU basketball?
3: well we're back twenty four hours later to uh, discuss this, and as I logged in, Ryan was having essentially the same conversation with you that he had on the show uh, at least once but really probably twice last night so uh, I, i'll try to i'll try to see if I can come up with something different to say other than uh, this team needs better guard play
0: i don't know that he's ever left the chair I think he's just been talking about shooting for twenty four straight hours. If
3: you had told me he had sat there, it everything seemed very familiar it was like it was it was really nice um, I, I think the the frustrating thing and I hit on this a little bit in and some of my final thoughts last night is that you, you feel like you tick days off the calendar and the season gets a week older, and you don't know any more what to expect from this team than you did the week before because you you come back off the Northwestern game uh, with a really strong performance against Ohio State. Yes, there were scoring lulls and some of the things that we've seen, uh, but there was a different intensity. It felt like and and um, the confidence at times to to really work their way out of some of those. Uh, some of those slow stretches and then you see such a slow start uh, against Rutgers but then you see the fight back and they they take the lead and then they give it away by uh, really falling back into bad habits over the last seven-ish minutes of the of the first half and or the and then the first three or four minutes of the second half and you have a 10-minute stretch in the middle of the game where he'd scored once in you know 16-18 possessions and So you you still just really don't know what to expect. I think what you said at the beginning speaks to that really well. You don't know what to expect as a team. You don't know what to expect as a player. And as you reflect back on what we spent most of last week's show talking about in terms of shortening the rotation, that becomes really hard to do when you don't know which guys you can actually count on. So where do you start shortening things? Because on any given night, and then last night it just gets into you're kind of throwing darts with throw a Demizzi out there and he takes four threes, even though he you know, didn't play against Ohio state cause he was sick and hadn't played in that game. And uh, you're just grasping it at, at, at things at some point. So it's uh, it, it's, it continues to be frustrating and, and the more weeks go by that you don't figure out what you can really expect from this team and what its identity is and, and whether they can really make meaningful progress in the direction that they need to go by stringing together segments Have games of good basketball, the more that you feel like you're not going to get to the point where they figure that out uh, before the season is over.
0: And to my right, he is a senior writer for the big lead, the man whose rants you hate that you love so much, and someone who is clearly now just explicitly angling to be hired as shot doctor by Archie Miller. And frankly, at this point, why the hell not? That'd be fun to watch. Yes, it would. Ryan, what is your rant this week? At least it'd be entertaining. Um, But would we make more shots? Uh, well, you know
2: I, if, 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 here's here's the thing if we didn't, I'd blame mental toughness. That's the first thing I would I would I would go for. So it's a callback to another show guys, you'll figure it out. Um, you dumbass. So look, I, the Rutgers game is disappointing for for so many reasons. I look, that's a tough place to play and I, I don't think a lot of people expected Indiana to go in there, especially this version of Indiana to go in there and, and win that game. Uh, credit to Rutgers for creating a really tough home environment that, that teams have just failed at this year, uh, failed at you know when they go in there. But what I would say is, and and I, I said this yesterday, and and I'll reiterate it: when you go two of nineteen from the three point line and only score fifty points, you're not going to win on the road in this conference. I'm sorry, you have to make shots. And and Indiana, whether they're capable of making shots or not, they're not making them. And that, that tells me there's something wrong, whether it's a mental thing, whether it's, you know, just not, you know, getting the repetitions they need in practice, not being prepared, not, you know, being comfortable shooting on every aspect or every position on the floor. I I don't know what it is, but they're not making shots. And this is the third year in a row that Indiana's three-point percentage is on pace to be the lowest in program history. Is that the players? Is that the development? Is that whatever it is, I don't care what it is, but something needs to change. And it's on the coaches to figure out what the problem is and to implement the necessary steps to change it. Uh, because you can't do something. If this were a one-year thing, you'd say, oh, man, it's it's the players. It's I don't know what it is. But when you have the same thing happening for three years and it continues to go lower and lower and lower and it's preventing you from winning games, if Indiana shoots... 3% higher from three last year, they probably win one more game and get into the NCAA tournament. I mean, you think about that in that respect. They missed the NCAA tournament. And that little of a change, 3% all season, probably puts them in the NCAA tournament. Um, these are things that, that modern basketball you need to be able to do. And and teams are, I, I tweeted this out earlier, they're, they're weaponizing the three-point line and Indiana's getting left in the dust. And I don't know, again, if it's just players who can't shoot or if it's You know, they just don't have the mental toughness or whatever, but something needs to be fixed as far as shooting goes in this program because it's been three years of this and we're seeing the same thing over and over and they're losing winnable games because they can't knock down wide open three-point shots. That should be a layup for a good guard. It should absolutely be something that when you're open on the perimeter, you should be able to knock that down more often than not. And Indiana had its opportunities against Rutgers because Rutgers was leaving them open and they couldn't knock those down couldn't change the momentum, couldn't change the tide and you lose a game as a result. So it's just something this program and, and these coaches have to figure out. I know there's a lot of people on edge about Archie Miller, you know, with hot seat talk and all that stuff. He's going to be around for a while, guys. Like he's not going anywhere after this year, regardless of what the results of this year are, the way his contract is structured, they're not getting rid of him. He's going to be around, which means that we should encourage this coaching staff to improve the thing, the areas it's weakest in, instead of just continuing to do the same thing over and over. They need to improve just like players need to improve, just like players need to develop, coaches need to develop and recognize their weaknesses and have an honest conversation with themselves about where their shortcomings are and fix those things. So that's that's where I'm at right now. Uh, I know that was a tough place to play. You get a nine-point loss against Rutgers from the outside looking in. You say, okay, you know it's a tough place to play. It's on the road in the Big Ten. It's a loss. They played pretty good defense, but you watch that game and you know there are opportunities to win that game that they just continually fail to win in those positions, in those situations, and they need to start doing that.
0: Yep. All right. Well, here's what we are going to talk about this week. We're going to spend a little time looking ahead to IU Nebraska. It's a really, really big game for a lot of reasons, and we will underline those reasons. And then, yes, we're going to talk a little bit more about the shooting, although I promise you that we have a few different angles on that that we haven't hit yet. Uh, And then your questions, which involve a lot of questions about shooting. So, look, it's what's on uh, Indiana fans' minds after watching their team go two for 19, and uh, I don't blame you. So, all of that coming this week on Assembly Call Radio. Uh, before we get to all that, a quick reminder about tickets. If you are looking for tickets to IU basketball games for the remainder of this season, either home or away, SeatGeek is the place to look. They deliver the best ticket buying experience with their website and their app, and they also will help you identify the best ticket values so that you get the best possible seat for your money. For example, we are all going to be up at the February 8th game against Purdue. As usual, I'm sure that will be a hot ticket, but if you go to SeatGeek and you want to go to that game, you will find the best value. And definitely consider it, because we would love to see you there. Uh, but even if you don't go to the game and you can be in Bloomington that weekend, we are going to be doing a post-game show live from Switchyard Brewery after the IU-Purdue game. So definitely come. If you can be there, we would love to shake your hand and thank you for being a member of the Assembly Call audience. But getting back to SeatGeek, the best thing is that you get $10 off your first purchase. All you have to do is use the promo code ASSEMBLY. So if you use the URL iutickets.shop, it will take you directly to Two, the IU basketball ticket listing on SeatGeek. All the home games, all the road games are there. That's iutickets.shop. And then use that promo code ASSEMBLY when you purchase, and you will get $10 off. Okay, uh, let's talk about this Nebraska game coming up on Sunday. Uh, no, Saturday night. It's uh, 7 o'clock tip, right? 7 o'clock Eastern tip. Andy? Ryan? Yes,
2: that is I correct, I believe.
0: Yes, So. The Cornhuskers, obviously nothing much was expected of them coming into the season. They have lived up to those low expectations or lived down to them, I guess. They are ranked 130th in Ken Palm right now. But this game is in Lincoln, and it is important to note that Nebraska does have home wins over number 15, Iowa. These are Ken Palm rankings, number 15, Iowa, and number 17, Purdue. So they have beaten top 20 quality teams at home. Uh, Rutgers did win there by 17, but they're usually tough at home. Their home court advantage rating is a 4.0, which for context is tied with Mackey Arena for 24th best in the country, one of the the Ken Palm metrics. Assembly Hall is 3.7, which is 68th. So it is a legit home court. They play a lot better there than they do on the road. And you will recall the last time these two teams met, Nebraska took Indiana to overtime. So... You know, Andy, as we look at this, obviously, you know, we remember what Nebraska did to Indiana in that first game, really spread Indiana out, uh, you know, and, and, and took advantage of, you know, some things that they saw that Indiana was doing defensively. Um, but what's really important about this game is when you start looking at where the road wins going to come from, even though this is a tough place to play, this is the last game on Indiana's schedule against a team that isn't ranked higher than them in Kenpom. Which doesn't mean that Indiana can't win any of these games, and they will, and they'll do fine at home, but it does start to put it in perspective that as the season starts to get shorter, opportunities to get wins are going to become less and less, and at some point, Indiana's going to have to take advantage of one. They didn't at Rutgers. This is another opportunity to get one, and if they don't, it does start to become a little bit harder to project where those road wins are going to come from. Not impossible, but harder.
3: Yeah, when you look at um, the current net rankings and the the team sheet puts the upcoming games on there. So this is the only one that doesn't fall in quad one or quad two. Um, in fact, almost all of the games left fall in quad one. There's three that fall in quad two. And then this is the only one that uh, is outside of that. Everybody else is in the top 41 uh, of the net coming into today that IU plays. That, so
2: that's fun to consider, right?
3: <laughs> oh, yeah, really. I mean, the, the good news is in that scenario is that you really, it's it's hard to take a, a bad loss following that. You, you have to win some games, but uh, I think that's why a lot of people think the Big Ten may end up getting a, a good number of teams in because there aren't a whole lot of bad losses to be had. And if the, if the standings shake out like Ken Palmer, most sites would project where you've got a whole bunch of teams anywhere between 9 and 11 and 11 and 9, um, you've got a bunch of teams with quality wins and, and not a lot of bad losses, but yeah, this is. Uh, if, if there's one that you feel like IU should get, this would have to be it. Um, based on based on everything that's out there, the other you know, lower lower rated, uh, if you will, um, away games are at Penn State, where IU hasn't typically played particularly well, although they've won some. At Minnesota, don't need to discuss that one. At Illinois, nope. I had some success there. At Purdue haven't had any success and, and at michigan where they haven't played particularly well at ohio states the other one so i mean it, not not exactly a, a whole lot of uh, the gap between how winnable this you're game is you're not giving us and, hope andy well i didn't <laughs> think that was the purpose of this segment we're going to talk about <laughs> okay. shooting in the next part so i mean what are we yeah. i mean is Connection that we out we're, a controversial we're peddling opinion. we're peddling hope i don't know yeah the barn
0: not as intimidating as it used to be we've played better there in recent years I'm not I'm not quite as scared of the bar. Now remind me of this in a few weeks when we so go up there. Confident confident. I, I remember last oh, year. I remember last you. year. Yeah, I know.
3: Yeah. Anyway. I remember that. Anyway, but, but. but yeah, so I mean so back to this game. I mean, it really is by a pretty wide margin the, the most winnable of the road games there. And um you give yourself a little bit of leeway, I guess. If if you feel like finishing ten in the league is is good enough, and it probably is at this point, it gives you at least a little bit of leeway to drop a home game, I guess. Not that you want to do that, but um, Gives you a little something there because IU has yet to win a road game. They they only you know they didn't play in the non conference, so um, you don't have any true road wins on there. That's going to be a a seeding issue at the very least if you if you get in without one of those. So it is uh, it is pretty important for sure. And you know, for a team, Ryan, you
0: know, just psychologically, for a team that doesn't always seem to really play well when it's pressing, you know, to get that monkey off your back and get that first Big Ten road win, I think would be important just so it doesn't become a thing. You know, where it's like, yeah. man, we just can't win on the road. Like, to get one, get off the schneid, now you start to feel better get about the chances to get back. another one. And that's, again, but the reason we wanted to underscore this is, you know, it does look very inviting. 130th-ranked Nebraska. They're not very good, but it is a tough venue, and they've beaten good teams in there. So it's not like Indiana can waltz in. They're going to have to deliver, by far, their best performance on the road and one of their best performances of the season to do it. Yeah. Because that's just what playing on the road in the Big Ten is like this year. But at some point coming close improvement on the road. Isn't going to be enough. They're going to no. have to get one of these. They're going to have to get one. Saturday.
2: No. Yeah, and, and, from, and. Oh, sorry. Uh, I was just, the, yeah, I think that, that definitely they're going to have to play really good basketball. The one thing we saw is after they played badly against Northwestern, they bounced back and played pretty decent basketball against Ohio. State. I mean, I think that was a pretty good, pretty good performance against, against Ohio state. You got to hope for the same thing here, you know, and, um, but the thing is, is that they're not going to have the crowd backing them like they did against Ohio State when things didn't go well. Uh, this is, I think, a situation where this team just has to come together. And, and it seems like a very – I mean, I hate saying this about these guys because they seem like a, a good group of kids, but they seem very mentally fragile. And if things don't go well, they don't deal well with things not going well. And And so they're going to have to get off to a good start. They bounce back against Rutgers uh, after that poor early start. But they also had a poor early start. You know, I mean, there's that that other they turned the ball over three times stupidly, took some bad shots. And all of a sudden you're down 12, nothing. You're in a 12, nothing hole before the game's even started, really. And you have to use a timeout early that you're not going to get back later. And, and it's they you have can't, no margin you, for error for the rest. Exactly. Of the game, and, you, you know, starting out down 12, nothing. I understand this is not how basketball works, but they wound up losing by nine and, and, and they started out down 12, nothing. They won the rest of the game. And it's not, I know it's not a one to one thing, but still, you dug yourself in such a hole that it doesn't matter what you do the rest of the game. It, you know, you're so far behind. And they got back and they took a lead. But, you know, if it had been a three nothing hole or a six nothing hole, maybe that comeback wouldn't have taken so much out of them. And, you know, I mean, there's so many ways to look at this. You can't put yourself that far down early on they did it at wisconsin and never recovered i mean so it was nice to see an actual comeback against rutgers but i just i just think this team needs to come out of the gate hot to have a chance to win and 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 i don't know what it is about the way they start games we've seen it over the last couple years it hasn't been as big a problem this year but poor starts were a big thing the last two years and you know, you can't have one of those in a game you need to win. This is the, this is the road game. If you're looking at, I'm not saying it's a must win because that's always a tough thing to say, but if you're looking at the remaining road games as Andy just did, this is the one you got to get, you know, I mean, if if you're going to get one, this would appear to be that one. And, and you're not playing a great team. And, you know, as you said, it's a, it's a team Rutgers crushed uh, at home. And so, you know, you got to feel like you got to get this one and and Indiana did not play well against Nebraska or that style when they went to Assembly Hall and were, you know, wound up pulling it out in overtime, but didn't look great. It was a very discouraging uh, as, as discouraging as wins can be. It was a very discouraging win. So hopefully, you know, maybe it's a bad stylistic matchup or whatever, but hopefully they can figure this out and, and, and dig themselves out of this road hole they've been in.
3: Yeah, that's a, that's the one thing I was going to bring up. But it does present some matchup challenges. Northwest or not Northwestern, Nebraska plays really small, very perimeter oriented, which is not where IU has a ton of depth. Uh, it really becomes a game where y- you're going to have to get good performances from Jerome Hunter or Demezi. Justin Smith has to play well because they really spread you out. They got a, a handful of baskets on back cuts. They're going to you know run ball screens and and certainly. I would expect to do some of the same things that Rutgers did. And the other thing they do while they play really fast from a, a tempo standpoint uh, is that they they don't focus on offensive rebounding. They really just want to get back and they don't turn the ball over a lot. They're in the top 10 in turnover rate. So for a team like IU who wants to get and needs to get baskets in transition, they do a fairly good job of limiting that even though they play quick because they're not giving you runouts off of turnovers and they're not going after offensive rebounds really at all. Uh, and they'll, they'll force IU to execute in the half court. And, and there were times in the first matchup when they really did that. Um, and they have to make Nebraska pay with a guy like Trace because they don't have a clear matchup for him if you're playing yeah. him. And Joey, you, you can't have these stretches where they're not able to get the ball inside um, because otherwise be you're, you're putting in, yourself right? at a disadvantage uh, on the defensive end by having him try to check one of their perimeter players and then not make it up for it on the other end by really making them pay. Because if you can get some guys into foul trouble – that's really where it could, it could pay dividends because they're not deep at all. They play their starters a ton of minutes except for the, the post guys uh, largely split time. But at least three of the perimeter players play a, a pretty high percentage of minutes. So uh, fouls will be a, a big factor, I think. And if you can get the ball inside, get to the line early, uh, that would bode well.
2: Yeah, and you got to get a good game out of Rob Finnessy defensively and offensively. This has to be his best game. I, I think, quite frankly, this has to be his best game. because he got to control the tempo, control the offense, get the ball inside, make sure they're pounding it inside. He's probably gonna have to hit a couple threes for you, and then he's gonna have to play good defense. I mean he's gotta Sorry. be that guy every night. Like it's not, I know it's but not just yeah, tonight. but I mean I'm saying he's gotta step up. You know, this is the no one to step it. up on, you yeah. know, and uh and and you know, maybe no. even Devontae Green's gotta knock down some shots for you to get out of this one. No more two and nineteen stuff. No. No, no, no.
0: All right. Well speaking of that, coming up, let's talk about shooting. Why are we not making shots in games? What can be done about it this year? And what does Archie Miller's history suggest about his ability or lack thereof to develop shooters? We're gonna talk about all that. Stick with us here on the Assembly Call.
2: Hi, this is James Blackman Jr. I never miss an Open 3, and I never miss an episode of the Assembly Call. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach after every IU basketball game.
3: Go Hoosiers.
0: Thank you, James. Welcome back to the Assembly Call. You can find all of our content at our website, assemblycall.com. And if you ever want to join the chat mob... Chat mobbers. ...during our unedited live broadcasts or watch those replays and see all the between-segment banner, like the story that Ryan just told, which was really entertaining, uh, check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. All right, I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms. And we're going to talk about shooting. Now, I want to start this off. Who's the jackass... That all offseason tried to tell everybody it'll be okay. Juwan and Romeo are gone. Now all the shots will be spread around to better shooters and our percentage will go up. Maybe we won't be a high volume team, but we'll certainly be a high efficiency team. What jackass podcaster said that all off season?
3: Definitely nobody on this show.
0: I think that's Jared Morris. <laughs> that
2: might be Jared Morris, actually.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. And... And I still, you know, I stand by those thoughts because the process was right. The results so far have not been good. So let's try to talk about why and also kind of take a step back bigger picture. Because, Ryan, you know, on last night's show with Coach, you guys were kind of, you know, going back and forth on what are some of the reasons for this. And I I sense from Indiana fans and I read from Indiana fans that they're starting to get really nervous that an Archie Miller coach team is just never going to make threes and that he just doesn't know how to do it. And there's some data that I think will, that is relatively persuasive in one direction that we'll get to. But, you know, we got several questions about this. Bill asked, why aren't our best shooters, who can shoot in practice, according to Archie, regularly hitting the deep ball during gameplay? And, you know, one thing to me, when you look at this, is it's kind of clear that even in a best case scenario, we have okay shooters, right? We don't have great shooters. We have decent shooters, Okay. So when they're comfortable, they can make shots. And the difference between an okay shooter and a great shooter, like James Blackman Jr., who opened up this segment for all of his faults as a player. He was a great shooter. Great shooters can make shots in any situation. You know, decent shooters kind of need things to be right for them to be making shots. And so when you look at what our team has done so far, these numbers are mind-boggling. We've played 5 games away from home this year. We are 18 for 89 from downtown. That is 20.2%. That
2: At includes home, an, yeah, it's the neutral court games too, right? That includes the neutral court okay, games. Okay, okay. All yes. away from home. Got it.
0: Yes. At home, we are 67 for 197, 34%, which we would all take, which sounds pretty good. And in two home games against top 20 defenses, Florida State and Ohio State, we're 13 for 27. That's 48%. So, I agree with Archie when he says we have guys who can make shots, but it is clear these guys are not making shots. And so I think you know we don't have enough creators on offense who can draw the defense and get guys good looks and rhythm. Opposing defenses have really started to clog the paint, which doesn't allow us to play our inside-out game. We have a hard enough time just getting the ball into the post, let alone getting it into the post and then getting a kick out back. Why did those shots fall at the beginning of the Ohio State game? Because we played inside-out from Trace to Rob. And then, you know, the other thing is when the offense is a slog, players aren't playing free and light. Everything is tight, and you can't shoot and make shots that way. You know, and so that to me, you know, to answer that question from Bill, you know, I do think we have some guys capable of making shots, Rob and Devontae and Al. They're not great shooters, but they're good. They're good enough to give Indiana passable three-point shooting. But when the offense is having all the problems that it is, it's hurting those guys and obviously no one else has stepped up to be a good enough shooter to be a credible threat and help raise that percentage. So as we look at this year's team, like are there any other reasons why you guys think this these guys this year are just really struggling? I feel like we've probably exhausted most of them, but it, you know, just on the subject of this year's team, is there anything else that you guys can see that if it improves, the shooting could get better or other reasons why these guys are struggling and shooting well, worse think- than they should be?
2: I think one of the problems for sure is just there's a lot of poor footwork on on the shots. And so when you talk about can these guys make shots, I think so. But I also think that there's a lot of stuff in there where they're not doing the right things. So it's like they're capable of making shots if conditions are perfect. Right. You know, if it's kicked out, if they're stepping into it, if they're leaning forward. You know, and, and this is why I, I advocated for somebody to come in who specializes in, you know, helping you develop a shooter. The reason why is, you know, if you can make a shot from the top of the key, technically you should be able to make a shot from the corner. You should be able to make a shot from the wing, but you're seeing guys, Rob, usually when he makes them, Rob, if he makes them, he's at the top of the key or maybe a little bit off. Um, he should be able to make that shot from the corner too. And and the reason that guys shoot differently on different parts of the floor is where they're receiving the pass, how they're receiving the pass. You get a pass from your right from your right side, and you catch it, and you have to square up. You know, as you're kind of leaning left, having catched the pass and swing through, you got to make sure to square your shoulders and do all those things. And and so I just feel like guys have their spots on the floor, and if they don't get the shot there, it's not going down. And and they are, they have their these very small comfort zones where it has to be a pass from the inside coming out and shooting it. And it's the shots should kind of be the same no matter where you are on the floor and how you're receiving the pass. It's more about the distance and your release. It shouldn't be about you know how you're catching it, where you're catching it, all that. I know all of that plays a factor, but it, you shouldn't have to boil up the exact perfect combination of circumstances to get you to make a shot. Can Rob Finnessy hit a three-pointer when he catches it and, and steps into it and has that perfect situation? Of course. Can Devontae Green catch and shoot a three? Absolutely he can. Can uh, Al Durham? Yes. The problem is it feels like with each of those guys, it has to be a very specific circumstance for them to be in their comfort zone shooting a three and that's what worries me. These guys need to be developed in a way that where they can make it from everywhere and, and know that if you catch it in the corner, you got to square your shoulder before you shoot as opposed to swinging through and kind of leaning and leaning back and all that. So I don't want to get too technical with it, but it's you know it's a situation where they should be able to have the same mechanics no matter where they are on the floor they should be able to have the same follow through regardless of where they are on the floor footwork should be the same and and that's why i was saying that i thought that they need to bring somebody in so yes technically they can shoot but it just feels like you've narrowed the range of of ways in which they can make them and that is what's concerning and the other thing to remember too is Al Devontae
0: and Rob are not the big problem. I mean, they are not what's dragging no, they're down not. the percentage. But they're
2: the ones you rely on, and they each they each will have games where it's they just, are. And they yeah.
0: were the problem against Rutgers. To be fair, they were the guys taking most For of sure. the shots and they missed them. But the guys really dragging down the percentage are Demesi and Jerome, who I think combined are shooting like nineteen percent. You know, and Justin Smith, who hasn't developed. So, you know, if you can get anything out of those guys, it'll help. And maybe you know, at some point, you start to. You know, like the Rutgers game, give a higher percentage of the shots to the guys who have proven they can make them. But that was just a game with the tough physical defense of Rutgers being on the road. You know, the, those guys do have percentages, but they were built at home, and a lot of it was built against lesser competition. They have yet to prove they can do it away from home, which they need to do. Andy,
3: yeah, I think this came up on the show last night. I think it was it was it wasn't me. It was Ryan Horcoch that brought this up. But the part of it is is lineup construction, and not just the fact that you. Are consistently playing three guys who are or kind of non-shooters in, in Joey, Trace, and, and Justin Smith. But it's also that you have these two post players. So when, if a guy goes to drive, I mean, nobody, nobody on this team is really a guy who's going to make pull-up threes or is a good shooter off the dribble. I would imagine the synergy numbers are not good uh, in, that, in that regard. And so you're really resigned to creating catch-and-shoot situations, which if you don't get the ball in through the post and can't swing it that way... The only other way that you can really do that is by getting people to drive. Well, if you drive, there's built-in help in the lane. Nobody has to help off of the shooter anyway, even if they really respected the shooter because there's already two guys right in the lane uh, that are guarding Trace and and, and Joey or, or some combination thereof. So I think it just becomes you can't create any space that way. And there was a play in, I think it was the Ohio State game, Justin almost drove kind of horizontally across the court and actually dribbled almost toward, I think it was Rob who made the shot and Rob's got helped off of him and he relocated. It's not necessarily something that I think you can do a ton of, but to try to get somebody downhill to think you're going to pitch it back out to somebody or throw it to somebody in the corner, like that's just not happening because nobody has to help off those shooters because you've got, you've got, you know, two defenders at minimum already right in the lane. So I, I don't know how you, change some of that stuff. It really has to become screening at that point where you're able to get guys open off and catch and shoot off of screens because driving and kicking and really getting the ball into the post is not the way they're able to create shots. But you also have guys who, as you said, aren't necessarily great creators for others. And they certainly aren't guys that can create their own shots. Yeah. Devante at times will attempt to do that um, with mixed results, obviously. Uh, But uh, you know, really otherwise that they're not, they're not dribbling to look to create shots for themselves and they're not really, functioning in a way that the dribbling creates shots for others either so coach makes a good point in the chat he said the one thing
0: i would do if i was ever head coach again is let guys play free on offense give me defense and then go and shoot freedom allows for confidence and i do i do think this team feels overcoached we've talked about you know talked about this especially offensively overcoached tight you know they just it's like they're not playing basketball they're trying to like do what is you know,
3: these a mechanical, more, yeah, 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 me-
0: this mechanical offense. Yeah. It's like Which, you're checking
3: the box of like, I did this. Yeah. So now I move on to the next thing. It's not a to-do list. It's a, yeah, it's you know, like station it to station, kind of station offense. Yeah.
0: yeah. And except for the fact when it, when they go to the check mark where it says, throw it into the post, no matter what. And then they just don't do that, that we need to get a little better at. But, um, <laughs> you know, I think this, do- and a lot of Indiana fans see this, Indiana fans know what good offense looks like. And I think this leads to people after starting, so many
2: years. How do they? So well, <laughs> just kidding. I'm just well,
0: kidding. you know, but this does lead, I think, to Indiana fans getting a little bit nervous. Like, is this how it's always going to be if Archie Miller's our yeah. coach? Can Archie Miller coach three point shooting? Does he realize that the game has changed? Can he coach shooters? And so, you know, we know what his track record is at Indiana, and it's not good. But, you know, I did want to go back and just see what happened at Dayton. Like, is there something that happened at Dayton where obviously they had some success that would be instructive? And you know, I wasn't sure what I would find, although we have talked about the three point numbers before, Ryan. You know, three of his six seasons yeah. at Dayton, they shot thirty seven point seven percent or better. Like how insane does that number look after the last few seasons thirty seven percent in each of those seasons, it was fifty fourth or better in the country. So it was you know essentially it was it was really, really good, not
2: this, quite elite, but really, really if good this team if this team was top one hundred in the country in three point shooting. We'd be looking at a top five in the Big Ten potentially, yeah, like, top 50? Shoot, I mean, yeah, I mean, because because of the, the, the other boxes checks. Like, yeah. you look at the defense. The defense has clearly gotten better, and yes. they've got such a force inside. If they could hit shots, it would change. You know, stuff. yes, no. and you know they were
0: decent in volume. This, you know, his Indiana program hasn't taken many threes at Dayton. Five of the six seasons, they were average or above in three points attempted. So they utilized the three point shot. At Dayton. Now, why was that? You know, well, they had a lot of different guys who could create, played a smaller lineup, had a guy like Scoochie Smith that could direct the offense. These are things he hasn't had yet at Indiana. The other question that we've talked about is does this guy have any clue how to develop a shooter? Because no one seems like they've gotten better. And this is coming on the heels of a program where that you know was obviously very important under the previous coach. Well, you know, you look at some of the most important guys Archie had at Dayton. Devin Oliver went from 21.2% as a sophomore to 40% as a senior. Scoochie Smith started out 27% as a freshman was 38% every single year after that. Really like a- absurdly consistent. Big Kyle job. Davis, yeah. 16.7% as a freshman uh to 29.7% uh that no, was actually 39.7% as a senior. It was a typo. Uh, Jordan Seabird and Charles Cook transferred. Both guys saw their percentages jump 8 to 9 percentage points. So there were only a couple of guys in his history at Dayton of guys that were in his program for, you know, several years that were, you know, moderate volume three-point shooters that didn't get better. Now, again, part of that I think is because the offense was constructed differently and it was more conducive to kind of playing a style that's going to lead to three-pointers, but clearly guys got better. So I don't know if there was an assistant, you know, not named Tom Ostrom that was on that staff that didn't come over, If there's just something with the guys that he inherited, you know, and look, Al Durham has improved, you know, and Devontae Green has basically stayed about the same, you know, but it's some of the younger guys that we haven't seen that development from. So I say this simply to say, I don't think Archie Miller got this job and got to this point not knowing how to develop shooting.
2: And he clearly knows the importance of the three-point line. because He
0: talks about it So for whatever reason, there's something... I don't know if it's systemic yet. It's only two and a half seasons in, but there's a disconnect between what was happening at Dayton and the way those rosters were built and what's going on here at Indiana. Maybe it's something that will cycle out, you know, after, you know, a couple more years when he's had his chance, but he also doesn't have a great track track record yet of bringing in new shooters. So, you know and the other thing to, to remember his, to his it,
2: defense real quick on that because people have asked me about this they've said like well he's not recruiting the right guys and you know there is all this it's like they've they've gone after some shooters they've just missed and and you're going to miss in recruiting it happens the key is that you're going to win you, you you hit more than you miss that's really what you're looking for you're never no. going to be perfect They've really rolled snake eyes on shooters. I mean, they, they really have. They've gone after shooters, guys who could really impact the game, who could really be impacting this team right now, and just missed. Kids pick another yeah. school for whatever. You can recruit a guy as perfectly as possible and have him pick another school. That happens. So I think people, when you say recruiting, 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 yeah, you obviously they're trying to recruit the best players and everything. You're going to miss sometimes. So yeah. I, I think that that has to be you know, talked about as well, that you're never going to be perfect. To
0: yeah. And I, and I don't want to use these numbers to excuse what's happened at Indiana. It doesn't like, this is his job and he's had two and a half years and it should be better and it needs to be better. But at least when you look at it, it's not like, Oh man, they're shooting at Dayton suck too. You know, like they, it got better for those players at Dayton. And so at least there's a track record of it. And the last thing I'll say, Andy, just as a reality check is sometimes this can take a little time. You know, Tom Crean's first two teams at Georgia, they're not shooting the three very well. You know, and some of his players that were holdovers, they're shooting worse from three-point range this year than they were last year. It can take a little while to put a system in, you know, and I just use that as an example because it's a coach who was here previously that's known for developing shooting. So it doesn't ease the frustration of the moment, but it does at least give me a little bit more hope than maybe I had when we were 0 for 14 against Rutgers that, you know, that this coach understands what he's doing on some level, But for whatever reason, this staff, this program, this collection of individuals hasn't been able to get it done.
3: Yeah, I don't know that they're they they just look uncomfortable as much as anything. And we we talked about this on the show last night that you just see different. uh, Rob was the guy that I that I mentioned a couple of times last night. He leaves one short at front rims it. The next one goes way is way long. Um, and you could tell he just put more on the shot. And so it isn't a consistent rhythm of I'm taking the same shot every time they're just look uncomfortable and trying to guide the ball in the basket and trying to make little tweaks on the fly based on the last shot that they took and how that shot looked to try to figure out what to do with the next one, thinking that it'll go in. And so while you can sit in a gym and do things in practice and drills and whatever, and you can be really repetitive with your motion, these guys in games don't have the confidence to do it. And then they start again, kind of tinkering, uh, if you will, by trying to make these small adjustments, but not based on like doing something wrong, just based on the result of the shot prior. Uh, and, and so they just get in these situations, but like I said, they just look uncomfortable shooting the ball because really for as much as, the Ohio State game, there was a lot of talk about how the quality of the three-point shots, the actions that they came off of and things like that, which was 100% correct, that the vast majority of those were were off of inside-out plays and and really putting guys in comfortable positions to shoot. But they got just as many wide-open looks against Rutgers. Some of them were forced. Some of them were into shot clock yes. situations. But I think if you would go back and look, I mean, there's some of them that guys are just wide open. And, and I don't even feel like Rutgers was closing out on some guys – particularly hard because again, I I think those are the shots that teams want IU to take. So they're willing to do it. And, and if you can't be comfortable in that scenario, taking a wide open shot where you're really not getting closed out hard, you know, you, you saw Jerome for one of the first times all year hesitate. I think he ended up putting the ball on the floor, um, on the, you know, during the game where he had a wide open three at the top of the key, passed it up, passed it to somebody. He got it back, thought about it again, didn't take it. Like for the majority of the games that he's been in, the one thing that you'd count on was if he was open, the shot was going up. <laughs> yeah, And and that's, you know, for a guy like him, that might be the best thing for him to do is to play free, uh, like, like you were talking about. But even a guy like him who was not hesitant at all to shoot is now hesitant. And it's just a, a lack of comfort. And I don't know how you instill that because until it happens in a game, it, it's not, you can shoot as many and make as many in practice as you want, I feel like. But it, until you get to a point where you're seeing him go through the rim in a game that's
2: what gives you the confidence and that's the confidence that these guys just don't have right now Andy's right i mean you got to make them in games to feel that confidence i agree but for some of these guys they'll make them in games and that confidence doesn't translate you know i mean it doesn't rob was great against ohio state comes into last night one of six and was as he said he was perfect described it perfectly trying to guide the ball into the basket as opposed to just snapping your wrist off and, and snapping that shot off He's, he's, you know, trying to push it a little more or hold it back a bit. I mean, it's a perfect description. I'll give you that, Andy. That was absolutely great. Trying to guide it into the basket is a great way to, to, to put it, Um the last thing I'll mention is, you know, we talk about developing shooters and all that stuff that happens in the off season. I mean, so it's not like you're going to develop a, a shooter mid season. You can work and tinker with, with things and maybe help a guy out of a slump during a season. Cause he's doing something mechanically that's wrong. And you just, you know, it's like a, a, a baseball player with their swing. They, they get into holes where they're, you know, doing the wrong thing and you straighten it out, watch some video, whatever, but you develop a good shooter in the off season and, and it's with work in the off season. So, I mean, This I'm not saying they won't. Nobody can get better this year, but that's something that has to happen in the offseason. You create shooters in the offseason with drills and with work, and and partially it's on the players to show up and shoot. You know, grab a manager and get to the gym and shoot in your free time. And and guys like Victor Victor Oladipo turned himself into a good shooter. I mean, he got the drills and he went and did it and he worked and his workouts were legendary and he became a really good shooter from a guy who who you know was shooting air balls as a freshman. So. I think that it's something that these guys also have to be dedicated to it. So it's not just on the coaching staff, it's also on the players to to wanna have that deep down desire to create themselves to turn themselves into that offensive weapon that that can really change a game. Um but yeah, I, I think Andy's right that that you just they do need to see some go down in games, but even when they have seen them go down in games, it seems like it doesn't translate one game to the next.
0: Yeah. Very well said. All right. Well, that was our conversation on shooting. we got a couple questions about it here coming up in our final segment, so we will talk a little bit more about it, Uh, plus some other topics, too, that you guys sent in. So stick with us here on The Assembly Call. We'll answer your questions next.
3: I'm and, and I never listen to The Assembly Call, especially the episodes that Ryan is on.
0: Well, sorry, Ethan. Ryan is here tonight. You are listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms. Remember that you need to be subscribed to our email newsletter. We send out a weekly IU News Roundup even during the offseason, and after every game, we send out a detailed post game analysis. Just text IU to 66866 or go to Assembly Call to get that time now for our mailbag. All of these questions submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community at assemblycall.com slash community. Uh, and just kind of piggybacking on that last segment, uh, Phil wants to know, does the next recruiting class have a shooter slash score? And we've gone through this before, Andy, but you know, Trey Galloway, known as kind of an okay shooter, but is having some, you know, some issues with his wrists uh, again this season that are a little bit worrisome, but he kind of projects as an okay shooter. Anthony Leal, known as a good shooter, but I would say more Robert Johnson and James Blackman, jr. like more good to really good, not that elite type guy, um but yeah, I think he has the potential
2: i i think he has the potential if developed properly to get to that sort of uh I don't know about elite, but he has yeah he's just, he's he has, not that guy yet, he's not Hulls or blackman right, but he's right he's, no he has the chance to get to get to be a really yeah. really good consistent shooter i think.
0: and and Jordan Geronimo, you know he's a solid shooter with potential, has good form and release. You know, we'll see how he develops, but obviously a very he hasn't good had to take that.
2: I mean, you know, throughout it, because of his af- how athletic he is, he hasn't had to take that many, you yeah. know, because why take a shot? You're shooting 35% when you could just drive, drive in and throw down a hammer dunk like he did last night.
3: Yeah.
0: Andy, do you have any thoughts on these gentlemen?
3: No, I mean, I think Leal is the one, if you're looking for somebody who might be able to come and step in next year and and be a guy that could help fill that void, he's the one that would be the most ready to do that immediately, um, which lines up with what you, you described, but it's definitely not a, none of those guys is, is elite knockdown shooter. That is the quick fix to what is uh, ailing this team for this year and, and last.
0: No, but Trey will help create shots. I mean, he's a guy who's got, he's a good passer, you know, maybe doesn't have elite quickness, but better quickness than you might think and can actually drive to create for folks. So, and I think, you know, assuming he's healthy, uh, he'll be ready to play early. Um, So, yes, you know, we'll see, you know, how those guys actually play when they get here. But that's kind of what the scouting report is on them currently. And then we got this By the way, question: Is
2: Galloway is Galloway back yet? I know he was hurt with that wrist. Injury. I think he's he playing for,
0: now, but just playing. Okay, hurt. he was
2: out for a couple weeks in
0: December. Yeah, he's a he is a tough dude, man. Yeah, <laughs> he is. He is going to definitely increase the the toughness and and leadership. Uh, you are going to get. He was, that him, like no he was averaging like twenty
2: five. He was averaging like twenty five points, eight eight rebounds, and six assists or something like that when he got hurt. So he's having quite the year. Ty
0: Jerome, poor man's Ty
2: Jerome. Uh, this question from Lee, uh, would severely
0: lowering our expectations for the team help our perceptions about them? I don't think so, but I invite your comments. This has been a long three years, uh, Andy, I would just say quickly, no, but I guess it depends on what your expectations were. My expectations for this team were, you know, compete sixth, seventh, somewhere, you know, fifth, maybe in the big 10, just depending on how those records fall out and make the NCAA tournament. That to me was the bar. I think that should still be the bar. And I think if your expectations are much, much higher than that, then maybe you need to reset them. But I think if you have those expectations, those abso- absolutely should stay, and this team should be measured against them.
3: Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I, I felt like competing for an NCAA tournament spot was the expectation for this year, given what was lost, the new guys coming in, trying to trying to figure all that out. So I would agree that if if expectations were higher than that, and even if they, they rose higher than that based on the way that this season started... um I think that's probably an, an expectation issue, but otherwise, yeah, I don't I don't think you move the the goalpost on yourself to make yourself feel better that um, things aren't as 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 bad as they seem, uh, because what you ultimately want to see is the growth and the laying of the foundation of the effort and and what's kind of required on a night in and night out basis. And I think that's what's frustrating to people is that you still don't know mm-hmm. what the identity of this team is going to be, and and you can't count on the the requisite level of effort and, and hustle from experienced guys on a night in and night out basis and i think that's what's frustrating and that to me should always be the expectation regardless of what that leads to from a, a postseason perspective
0: ryan are you are you lowering expectations
2: no i think that the expectations at indiana can you can't lower them i i mean there's there's a you know you expect a down year sometimes with you have a big senior class that all or you know big senior class plus a a leader who who goes pro. I mean, you have to adjust down what you expect, but it needs to be consistent expectations every year. And and I think that we've all sort of set like the baseline for Indiana's top four in the big 10 every year. That's what we want to see is, is it at least maybe if you finish fifth, you finish fifth, but you know, you're aiming for top four in the big 10 and a sweet 16 berth. And, and, and after that, great, whatever happens, happens, but you need to be those consistent expectations. So I, I haven't lowered expectations. It's just, it's hard to watch a team, fail the same way every single time and not get better Yep, that's it we're done no more questions
0: all right ladies and gentlemen that is going to have to do it for us on this week's episode of the assembly call if you want to see us do the show live join us at assemblycall.com on thursday nights for the live broadcast of our assembly call radio recording and don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text iu to 66866 to join our free email newsletter Special thanks to Bob Thompson for producing a lot of the music that you hear on the show. And thank you for listening. We will talk to you again Saturday night after IU Nebraska. Until then. Take it from me, Robert Johnson. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim.
2: And go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you.
1: Here I come, Mrs. Tonsoni.
2: I <laughs> feel so bad for Mrs. Sony tonight. <laughs> coach isn't here he's been in the chat though he's his
0: his whereabouts are accounted for Well, he's got a smartphone he can run around and chase (laughs) her with
2: the texting
0: oh man (sighs) yeah now what i will say you might lower your projections like watching the team play may harm your confidence to the point where you don't think they're going to make the tournament but the expectations the standard has to be there um, but I don't, you know, I don't buy. You know, I'll, I'll see this. I, you know, I got into a conversation with some people about the Rutgers game, where it's like, look, there's a path to lose this game and feel all right about it if a few certain things happen. Well, I don't think those things happened. But you know, if you really compete, you're there at the end of the game. You play well. You see some progress. And it's like, you know, it, you know, being being happy with a loss like should never be a thing for an Indiana fan. It's like, okay, well, there's a difference between being happy with a loss and being okay with it. It's like you got to. I know that we still want to hang on to, like, you know, we measure things by national championships. And certainly that has to be the path and the ultimate goal, but you also have to kind of meet the team where it's at. Otherwise, just check out until they're projected to be like a top five team, you know? So, I mean, I think you got to be fair with what expectations you put on this team so you don't drive yourself insane and so you don't hop on Twitter after a loss and go apoplectic just because they lost a game. But. You know, if you have a fair standard, a fair expectation for them, then hold them to it. I think just make sure that it's an actual fair expectation for what this particular team can do, and then in the off season, let's reassess whether the program is still on the right trajectory. That's how I look at it, anyway.
2: That's fair. I mean, thank you.
0: <laughs> that was that was Andy? a very very mild endorsement of my idea. Andy, are you? Uh... <laughs> that was,
2: Wow. that's fair. Uh, what do what do you want? What do you want me to throw a party over here cuz you <laughs> no,
0: no. I don't know what I No, with. I I think that I think
2: <laughs> look. I want to win.
0: I want to shoot well. Ryan just left. <laughs> yeah. That's what you get. Okay, Shame him well. into leaving. <laughs>
1: Who okay. knew? Who knew that was all it took? All <laughs> <Wow>. these <years. laughs> Right.
3: All these years, that seemed fairly innocuous compared to the kinds of stuff we usually have a hard time about.
0: You know, we have to let him back in. Like when he comes, I have to promote him to panelists. so we could just do the rest mm-hmm. of this ourselves. Uh,
3: uh, what fun would that be?
0: Yeah, uh, I know. Um, all right, let's just let's let's go through rapid other... fire. Okay. Uh, okay, Daryl. <laughs> speaking of that last topic, when are we going to go out and get a top coach, not an up and coming one? When Billy Gillespie didn't work out of Kentucky, they got Calipari, Call Brad Stevens, or whoever. So if you had You'd start drinking if you had brad stevens in your uh coach suggestion uh, bingo Mid- board. mid-january
3: pool. i'd say that's pretty good
0: yeah yeah <laughs> uh what will it take for indiana to get to that point north carolina Hi. went out and got roy williams oh man i thought we were going to be able to do these sorry. questions on our own
2: uh, <laughs> sorry guys sorry everybody i'm back
0: um,
2: um
3: i i definitely i definitely would not uh I definitely would not consider this to be anywhere near the uh, the realm of uh, Billy Gillespie scenario. No, no, <laughs> for, no, no,
2: no. for a variety you know what,
0: I, for a variety of reasons. But I kind of yeah, feel we're, bad we're for not... even bringing this question up because it's
2: you know I don't look I, even I, if you want Archie gone, folks, he's not leaving for another at least two years. And it's
0: based on I, on, I don't know. Doesn't I, to deserve, deserve that, and discussion. it's it's too soon to make that final judgment. Like I don't. Here's the thing:
2: if you miss, if he misses the tournament for the third straight year, you can start talking about where the yeah. program's at. That's yes. fair, but and with some coaches, now, I
0: think you do know. Two and a half years in, you can know like this is not the right fit. Yeah. I that that's not the case yet. There's some evidence on the good side. There's some evidence on the bad side. Maybe even more on that side, depending on your perspective. But I do think it's it's too soon to start having. Yeah. Those conversations. And, and look, even again, just,
2: I, really. I will say you miss the tournament three years in a row. The entire offseason is going to be is Archie Miller the right guy at Indiana? And that, that inevitably, it, that's going to be because Indiana, you got to make the tournament. The amount of resources that get sunk into this program and into the facilities and all of that stuff and the recruiting budget and all that. Yeah. And and the, the salaries of the coaches and stuff, you got to be making the tournament at the very least. Um, and then after that, we'll consistently making the tournament. That was the issue with Tom Cree. You didn't make the tournament every year. You know, it's, it's and then you'd have those ridiculous highs and ridiculous lows. That was why. So after three years of no tournament, you it's fair to start asking the question. We're not there yet, though. Right now, what would Andy, they'd be like a nine seed if they if the season ended today? Uh I had him as an eight
3: when I did yeah, on so Tuesday, that on Tuesday, but they'd probably be a, probably be a nine given results of the yeah. week or something like that. I <laughs> I think mean, coach coach also, said in the chat he had them they had them as in as their last eight seed today. So yeah, they're yeah. right in that range while the, you know everybody in the Big Ten is just beating the hell out of each other.
2: Yeah, and it's uh, what was I saw I think it was Andy Katz was talking about twelve of fourteen Big Ten teams, if this season ended today, might be in the tournament. Like, I mean, that's insane. And so facing that all season and getting in is you know going to be a tough task yeah um but this is you got to do it you got to get in got to be in the dance
0: yep um let's see patrick how should we think about rooting for other teams in the big 10 any teams we should want to lose based on record or just enjoy the slaughterhouse
2: purdue always
0: yeah i mean obviously purdue but like when everything is going to be so jumbled in the middle is that? I guess we won't really know that until later in the season, right? Once you start jockeying for yeah. Big Ten tournament seating, like right now, I yeah. guess if you start you're Indiana, familiarizing just yourself with the carnage, tiebreaker right?
3: procedures now in the
2: uh, yeah, I <laughs> mean, you know, what Big I would say, what I would it, say is, is root for the home team to win every night, right now. Yes, because Indiana, that makes Indiana's road losses look a lot better.
3: Yes,
0: you know, or I not necessarily
2: better, but it doesn't make them look as bad. You know,
3: yeah. I mean, I think I think it would ideally be. I mean, you got to feel like Nebraska and Northwestern are going to be the the two that are really not in in contention at this point. But you'd almost like to see another team go in the tank a little bit. It doesn't necessarily matter who who it would be because everybody's pretty close. But and teams um, you
2: beat, probably you want to look good, right?
3: Uh, yeah, that would that would help. I mean, Ohio State actually winning games at this point might be might be useful. Yeah. But yeah, you, you'd kind of like to see. Can you get a couple other teams that you feel like you can actually get wins over based on? You know, either how you know they really start to to struggle or things like that. But yeah, I don't know that there's a clear answer to who you don't want to play well. I think the more everybody kind of beats up on each other and stays jumbled up, the less separation you're going to see in a lot of the metrics, which means that all the games a- as they are today are going to fall in those quad one, quad two areas.
0: Uh, Jeffrey says, how does the get old, stay old adage work if you get nothing from your upperclassmen? Next season will be an exact copy of this because the only senior that they'll be able to count on is Joey. So what I would say to this is, you know, there is a point that Indiana's upperclassmen aren't being consistent this year, but I think there's a pretty big difference between Devonte and Duran and Justin and Al for all the issues that we have with Justin and Al, and they are inconsistent. And I think they do fall short as leaders in certain areas. Those guys, you, you have a better idea what you're getting from them on a night to night basis than you yeah. do from Duran and Devante. Like, I like those guys. Have rooted for them. You've heard me on this show, you know, you know, predicting good things for those guys, and I've hoped beyond hope for those guys. But they just, you know, they are who they are. And Deron's had is- issues with his body, and you know, Devontae has issues with just, you know, bringing the same mentality to the game. But they are—they're a special set of seniors. I mean, we haven't had four-year seniors with this little to show for their career in terms of achievement and just in terms of discernible improvement. And leadership in a long time. And that it's hard to win that way. So I don't think all the leadership issues will get fixed next year, but I think Al and Justin will be better as seniors than the ones that we have this year, and you have to hope that now some of the classes that Archie has recruited, those guys are ready to stay, step up and make the program theirs. And yep. then it's just got to keep getting better. So I understand the question, especially looking at it this year, but I do think it'll be better <clears throat> next year, um, and then hopefully I think it, it just be, keeps
2: building. Here's the thing. I think in the off season they really need to bring in a grad transfer who has a good attitude and can shoot. Those are the two yes. things I look at is like, do you have a good personality, like a hardworking person, like a Joey kind of guy who can shoot. I, I think that needs to be priority. Number one, this off if they can find one, uh, they, you know, with the way the port, the transfer portal works right now, everybody is in it. And, and you know, there's, there's tons of available guys and you need to go find one and sell out to get him. Uh, do whatever you got to yeah. do to get him. Yeah, and, and and
0: again, like the questioner said, you'll have Joey Brunk next year who will now be in his second year in the program, and that's a guy that you can count on as a leader. Like, he'll be in his second year, but, I mean, it'll have felt, I think, like he's been here for four years. Yeah. You know? At so, least three. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Andy, do you have anything to add on the leadership question?
3: No, you're good. We can hit a couple more, then I got to run.
0: Okay. Yeah, me too. <laughs> okay, Um, let's see. Let me skip that one. Um. How, okay, how do you feel about the three-point line being backed up this season for the sport as a whole? Any? I think it's been fine.
2: Yeah. I I haven't you know noticed. I mean, I barely even noticed because we keep missing. So Percentages really are definitely right. down. I mean, I think yeah. we're
3: moving basketball. the line in and make, maybe make the uh like the restricted area, the arc for that. Maybe make that the three point line.
2: For- <laughs> that might work. Trace Jackson <laughs> would, Davis, lead the nation in three point percentage. The, the charge uh, circle is the three point line now. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think it's just, I just think for us though. <laughs>
3: not for everyone. Just for us.
2: <laughs> we said, we thought numbers would be down a little bit, but guess what guys are going to adjust to it. They adjust to the NBA line when they go to the pros. I mean, they're going to adjust to it and it'll be fine. Uh, I, I think it was right to move it back because I I feel like the difference between the pro line and the college line was so much that you know it kind of wasn't preparing guys as well for the next level and and let's face it college basketball is kind of a factory for the NBA in some ways and 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 it's also well just the next level in general and I think that uh, at the higher levels it is Jared I'm sorry it's the one and done. The reason why one and done is so popular with those big schools. So, but no, I think moving it back was fine too, because percentages were going up and up and up and up. And it's, you know, make it a little more challenging. So it's not just a, you know, an easy jumper going to the international line is fine. I think it's a fine distance. Blasphemous. It's true though. You know, at the higher levels, it kind of is now. Because this ain't about education. There you go. (laughs) it sure as hell ain't much about basketball <laughs> what was his name pete something pete bell He's bell pete bell thank you i i kept thinking pete da- dale but that's Norman Dale. That's, yeah I'm sorry. but you're you're really mixing your i know classic basketball <laughs> movies you know my there. you know my girlfriend has never seen hoosiers <laughs> i think you're
3: also mixing classic with by by putting those two in the same uh same thing
0: girlfriend's never classic seen basketball hoosiers. movies those are classic basketball movies i think, uh, I think blue uh, chips uh, is what? great One of them is a classic basketball movie.
2: Oh, blue they're both both
0: classics. I'm not saying they're of the same quality, but they are. Jack and Penny
2: Hardaway are in one of them and you're not calling it a classic?
0: And Ricky Rowe. Ricky Rowe. Matt over,
2: man. Bags of cash.
0: Um, okay. Last question. This will be a good one to end on. Um, this is from Sally. Is it public information what each Indiana coach's responsibility are? Ryan mentions on a regular basis to have someone come in and work on their shooting. Sally definitely paying attention to Ryan's rants. There are rules on who can have contact with the players, so who do you fire in order to bring someone new in? Sally's, Sally's ready for blood here. She says, better not be Coach <laughs> Roberts. Sally's ready to see Ed's roll.
2: <laughs> two, one, two for 19 hours. Co- coach is going to riot if, they, uh,
3: if, they, if Roberts would be the one to go. No. Yeah. We can't no, have that.
2: Look. It, it, there are limits and stuff like that, but there's also support staff on staff that can work with players in off hours and things like that. There are official practice restrictions, but I mean, there's support staff, there's managers, there's whatever it, it, you know, if guys come in and are given a program to work on their shot and actually stick to it, you know, like they don't have to have the coach right there. Now, look, the coach can uh, having a coach present helps. But, you know, having a program, you know, bringing in video of your workout and showing it to the coach, be like, what's wrong? You know, what can we do? I mean, there's ways to do it. And, and other, other schools don't, a lot of other schools don't struggle with this program, with this problem. So you have to understand that, look, maybe it's the players and they're just not good shooters, whatever. But when you're consistently seeing it over three years that nobody is standing out as a good knockdown shooter at Indiana it tends to tell me that something there it, just by the body of evidence, something there is, is wrong yeah. and, and not being addressed. And maybe it's that in the first two years they had to work on defense so much because they're installing this different system. These guys don't know and all this with the pack line and, and changing that up. Then you got to focus on running offense as well, because it's a brand new system and it's so different from what they had previously and all that, that maybe there just wasn't enough time for individual development. I don't know, but, player development to me is as important as recruiting. Because look, you're not always going to get the five-star ready-made product recruit. You're going to get guys who you need to help reach their potential. And so player development has to be a huge part of a program. And it's not just about building their bodies and making them stronger and uh, leaner and making sure they're eating right and all that. That's a huge part of it. But making them better at basketball skills also is a huge part of it as well. And and so people talk about recruiting these guys, recruiting these guys, recruiting these guys. Player development is as important as recruiting, if not more important because you can get the good player, but it's about making them a better player and, and taking them from where they are in high school, which is typically a really good lump of clay and, and turning it into something, you know, and developing it. So, there, there are two sides of the same coin. You need great players, but you also need to develop those players. And you need to develop the players that you get that may not be a four-star, five-star guy. You're going to sometimes fill out your roster with a three-star who has one really good skill. you got to develop the rest of his skills as well so he can be on the floor. I mean, if you get a three-point shooter who can't play defense, what does it matter You know, if you don't develop him as a defender? It, it, you're just going to be getting a guy who shoots maybe 43% from three, but then gives up a bucket on the other end half the time as well. So you've got to develop all their skills and shooting is definitely one of those things.
0: I believe you just described James Blackman jr. I was going to say, I was, I not going to say that gentleman name earlier like really, in the show. In yes, his, so really in his defense, it. he, hit, he hit a lot of threes. So on, on a lot he of did. nights, he
2: made up for it. He did. It'd be great <clears> to have <throat> a shooter like that, but at the same time, you know, he, back end problems when you're when you're playing defense. So it's about yeah. developing every skill.
3: Yeah, I don't I don't know the answer to the first part of her question in terms of who's really tasked with I don't uh, know either. Well, here here's what we do know
0: is that when they first constructed the staff, Ed Schilling was the guy who was the player development guy and that was kind of his thing. You know, Bruiser Flint more I think of a defensive type guy. Yeah. Obviously, you know, the recruiting connections out east which haven't really, you know, kind of borne fruit or, or yet. I don't really know what Tom Ostrom does. I mean he's, he I know he's Archie's right-hand man and I think he's yeah, obviously What would you
2: say you do
0: here? <laughs> I mean obviously yeah. he does a ton. What is
2: your day-to-day <laughs> job like? He what
0: time does a ton. Do show think, up
2: in the morning.
0: I think he's obviously very instrumental in and yeah. maybe more than instrumental in installing the pack line. You know, but then we've talked a lot about defense now, so who's the offensive guy? And Roberts is known as a guy who's developed big men, but I don't you know, I don't know what his I don't know. I resume don't know. is outside of that. But I think that's kind, you know, that's kind of the basics of what we know. I mean, that was what Schilling was going to do, you know, basically bring in Keon Brooks and develop players. Um, and you
3: know, we know how how that went. Even so, if there was a guy who was really tasked with working on the shooting. It's not like that guy's going to like put his hand up right now and be like, "Oh yeah, that's me." So everybody just kind of Yeah. Gets
0: yeah a and, step and Tom back obviously and the... Tom Osham obviously is big time in recruiting, which I knew that. I'm just talking about like what actual game
2: yeah, because yeah. they all have they all have you know certain things they're supposed to do. Like you know, yeah, and, and Bruiser and, and
0: Mike Roberts seem to alternate the scouts because you know you'll see them do the little scouting reports before the games. So yeah, I don't know. We need you know someone's got to be there for shooting. Need to be
2: need to be better at shooting. We do need to be better at shooting. That's that is that's really deep and a really good way to go out, tonight, it's... guys. <laughs>
0: it's true it's just so sad i mean just I just
2: make shots guys like let's just
0: please what, what do i have to do <laughs> please just where are we at the bargaining stage now yeah we're past <laughs> anger we've <laughs> mm-hmm. soon we'll be at acceptance and then yeah. you know just be
3: not sure the fan base is going to get to acceptance so no. <laughs> no
2: it'll never happen i
3: think we're going to stall out at anger perhaps i'm not sure
2: they, but, look uh, against ruckers i thought the defense was much better and i thought the effort was good i just you gotta hit shots, man. I we used to go nuts when Tom Crane would say that was you gotta make shots. I mean, and at some level to make, you do it have to make it's it a make or miss league, some <laughs> would say. I mean <laughs> yeah. it is
0: it look, you should be able to bring a certain level of effort every night. Yeah, but there is an extra level of enthusiasm and effort you get when you're playing basketball when you're making shots. Like that Agreed. is it just you know, you can't excuse total lift. lack of it. But you see it with that. You
2: see with Devonte every time when he's locked in. The effort he provides on both ends is like, oh, that's a different player, you know, and when he's struggling, I mean he may still make boneheaded passes and things like that when he's locked in, but he plays so much better on both ends.
0: Joel's fix is that we need a strength coach that taunts
2: opposing players. <laughs> I miss him.
0: What was what, Joel? What? He's
2: right here in the chat. No, no, what was his name? the the uh, Lionel?
0: Yes, Lionel Anderson
1: yeah i
3: think that's right I was,
0: I was about to say richie that definitely was wrong <laughs> <laughs> yeah or line, line richie
3: that might be <laughs> soothing to everybody and make everybody feel good
2: well,
0: all right i gotta right. get out of here that's boys a great note to end on for this oh, disaster. absolutely this a disaster yeah. of a show okay all right, cool. all right, all uh, right. So this saturday. is one of our best actually <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah talking about shooting yeah
3: so it's uh, three of us saturday right
2: yes yeah, it is, it.
3: what time, time's tip is four, 7 p.m eastern four. So year four
2: time. year oh geez I'm, I'm supposed to go to dinner that night oh boy i'll work on it okay I have, a, I have a family uh my my cousin's wife is in town to run a marathon and we're having dinner saturday night but i don't you know we'll see hey eh. okay I just, cares hope, about family hope he's not watching the show He's not going to be here. And my cousin's not actually coming. His wife's coming out to run a marathon. Hmm. Interesting. So, Mama D is cooking. So, it's like kind of hard to miss out on that. That is true. It's tough. It's a tough one. All right. I'll figure it out. I'll let you guys. We'll figure it out. All right. Cool. Yeah. All
0: right, everybody. See you on Saturday. All
3: right. Thanks, everybody. Later
2: too much stuff getting in the way of your spring cleaning give yourself a little more elbow room with a storage unit from 5a rent space we're offering 50 percent off of select spaces for six months with locations in moraga and foster city call 650-338-0016 or visit 5aspace.com today with the powerful combination of michelin x1 tires and the michelin energy guard aerodynamic solution on your truck you can save 17 gallons every 1,000 miles. Go to business.michelinman.com fuelsaver for details.
1: You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from.